African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. This is a very significant historical election. This crisis is still damaging, especially Finnish and European economies very hardly, and that's an important reason to get more and more co- cooperation. And uh, what we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of uh, Tiwonge and uh, Stephen, and also we see Malawi violating its international commitments. Well, the position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting for marine species in particular. African Dialogue, a talk show where we cover anything and everything. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. This is uh, African Dialogue. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama. You are listening to us on shortwave on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. Thank you for streaming us live as well. If you're listening to us on our website, that's www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, today we're going to be looking at World Water Week, looking at uh, the water supply on the continent and looking at the conference that is underway in Stockholm in Sweden. But right now we've got Joalane Tulo standing by to give us our news. Thank you, Benjamin. Making headlines, Guinea-Bissau lawmakers adopt a proposal to try and get rid of the country's new prime minister through legal means in a bid to resolve a political crisis over his appointment. Spain and Morocco arrest 14 people suspected of recruiting fighters for the Islamic State in Syria and Iraq. And finally, the bail application of one of Nelson Mandela's grandsons to continue in the Johannesburg Massachusetts Court. Good morning. Guinea-Bissau lawmakers have adopted a proposal to try and get rid of the country's new prime minister through legal means. This in a bid to resolve a political crisis over his appointment. After 12 hours of intense debate in the National Assembly, the lawmakers adopted the proposal in which they have expressed their disagreement with the nomination of Prime Minister Basiro Deja last week. Lawmakers will present the resolution to President José Mario Vaz. Deja was appointed after Vaz fired his pre- predecessor, Domingos Simos Pereira. This move angered the ruling party. Spain and Morocco have arrested 14 people suspected of recruiting fighters for the Islamic State in Syria and Iraq. This is according to Spain's Interior Ministry. The arrests, part of a joint operation between Morocco and Spain, were made in the outskirts of Madrid and in various places in Morocco. Unidentified gunmen have attacked a police post in northern Burkina Faso, leaving two police officers injured. The incident took place late on Sunday in the province of Audalan, close to the Malian border. Islamic militants have continued to launch attacks in Mali's north and are thought to be linked to attacks further south in recent months, including near the Mauritanian and Ivorian borders. 
South African judge Bert Bum is summarizing his verdict in the High Court in Pretoria in the murder case of Mozambican taxi driver Mido Masia. Eight former policemen have been accused of the murder. Masia was dragged behind a police van in Johannesburg in 2013 in full view of the public. His body was later found in the local holding cells. The accused are constantly bowing their heads at an almost fully packed courtroom. Bum outlined the testimony by cell commander Mpumzingamlana, who testified that he saw Masia in a pool of blood at the police station but did not help him. According to Ngamlama, the other policemen who were in the cell constantly moved in and out of the cell. Another policeman, Constable Mflongu, who was on duty with Ngamlama, also came to the cell. In the meantime, someone had summoned an ambulance. Ngamlama said because he had the key to the cell, he could not leave the cell, whilst the accused were inside. He said the handcuffs were so tight around the wrists of the deceased and damaged that they had to use priors to turn the key. And finally, the bail application of one of Nelson Mandela's grandsons is expected to continue in the Johannesburg Magistrates Court. The 24-year-old has been charged with rape. The incident allegedly took place at a restaurant and pub in Johannesburg. During his appearance last Friday, the court heard the man believed the sex was consensual. There was also uncertainty over whether the girl was 15 or 16 years of age. Recapping the top stories this hour, Guinea-Bissau lawmakers adopt a proposal to try and get rid of the country's new prime minister through legal means in a bid to resolve a political crisis over his appointment. Spain and Morocco arrest 14 people suspected of recruiting fighters for the Islamic State in Syria and Iraq. And finally, the bail application of one of Nelson Mandela's grandsons is to continue in the Johannesburg Magistrates Court. Well, that's all from me for today. For Channel Africa, I'm Chalani Tulo. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, and uh, thank you to Jolani uh, Tula for that news update. Remember that you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Thank you for joining us. If you're listening to us on DSTV, thank you for joining us there on the platform that's on uh, the audio bouquet on uh, Channel 902. Well, today, as I mentioned, when we started the program, we're looking at World uh, Water Week. Uh, it's currently being held in Stockholm in uh, Sweden. We really want to ask the question, do we have enough water to sell? Sustain life. Uh, we're looking at the situation where water will be completely uh, depleted at some particular point in our lives. So, as I mentioned, World Water Week started this weekend and will end this Friday and is currently underway in Stockholm in Sweden. This gathering will see government officials and those from the NGO world gather with scientists, thinkers and innovators gathering to speak on issues relating to water. Now, this year's World Water Week theme is Water for Development. It is said that this will enable experts to look at the issue of sustainable development goals. We know that's the new agenda that's being fostered by the United Nations. So uh, we're going to look at this particular issue of World Water Week and look at its uh, relevance and how important it is. We've got uh, Dr. Tabon Gambule, who's joining us in our studio. He's a senior lecturer in research, nanotechnology and water sustainability research unit at the College of Science based at the University of South Africa. He's joining us in studio. Uh, Dr. Ngabula, how are you doing? I'm 
good i'm good benjamin thank you very much for having thanks for coming all the way here um it's a real pleasure to have you here and also on our line we've got dr mateus dipenar who is a lecturer at the engineering geology and hydrogeology department at the university of pretoria we also have uh, sputnik ratau who is uh, the director in media liaison at south africa's department of water and sanitation good day to you all now i'm going to start with you sputnik and look at uh, what's happening because i know that the minister of water and sanitation numvula mokwanyane was said to be leading a south african delegation at world water week 2015 event in stockholm and she was said to be there on saturday did south africa have a particular agenda when heading off to stockholm well, it, uh, the, the trip to Stockholm is, is twofold for us. Yes, it's one, obviously, to, to take part in all of the discussions on the matter of water for development that, that is being held in Stockholm and so on. But the second part also is to, uh, um, um, you know, the, the, the issue of uh, the, the school learners who are there on behalf of South Africa to take part in the uh, World Water Prize. Uh, that is talking to um, the innovations of school-going children mm. around issues of water conservation and, and water demand management. Mm. But probably the main thing that I could I could uh, highlight is that, um, as, as Minister uh, uh, put it in her opening statement, you know, yesterday at, uh, at, the, at the World Water Week, that part of what we we we, we need to, to understand is that as a country, we are. Um, 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 uh, participant on the same basis and as all other countries. Whilst we are there in order to learn new best practices from our uh, counterparts and colleagues in other parts of the country, but we also have something to share uh, in terms of how we are operating within uh, the setup that we have as, as, as a country too. Mm. Well, we're, we're going to come back at some of those particular themes of uh, South Africa's situation because I know in Southern Africa we are facing uh, certain situations of our uh, water shortages. But let me come to you, um, uh, D- Dr. Uh, Tabung Gambule, in terms of World Water Week. Do you think these things are relevant? Do you think uh, uh, this, this constant conversation that happens every year, World Water Week, is effective, especially now that we're moving to these sustainable development goals that are being now introduced by the United Nations? Yes, Benjamin, they are very relevant. And uh, um, we... I mean, the best way to to move forward and try to alleviate the the looming crisis is, of course, to conscientize ourselves on the issues surrounding us. And if we get involved in this engagement on water issues, it's it's, it's a very good way to start. Mm. And also having you guys involved in the media running such programs uh, to 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 make our people understand that uh, water is a scarce resource. Um, is, is quite relevant. So yes, being a part of um, b- being a part of these uh, World Water Week celebrations and all those things uh, is actually very good for us as a mm. people. Yeah. Well, also let me just uh, move on to our other guest and see his views on uh, this particular issue. Dr. Dipenar, do you think that the relevance of World Water Week is actually important for the world to take heed of the importance of water? I know it's a kind of a rhetorical question. Of course, it is. Yes, um, absolutely. Water is by far the most important human need. It's the first thing on this planet that we can't survive without. So yes, we need to do more than just World Water Week. This is a wonderful incentive and definitely important, yes.
And also, I want to look at just uh, Southern Africa because we have been uh, struggling with uh, water issues. South Africa is was said to be facing water shortages after the worst drought since 1992 cut dam levels by 2012 from a year earlier as most of the country enters its four-month dry season. And this was uh, uh, two months ago. This was the big story about the droughts that are taking place. Uh, we know that there was that uh, big El Nino global weather phenomenon that took place. Staying with you, Dr. Dipinat, how did that affect us as a country? I think for the first time we really are getting maybe a bit more scared about mm. the sustainability of the rate at which we're using our water. And drought is one of the things we can't control. So maybe the solutions lie rather in better usage of water, less wastage, because the scarcity is something that's not going to necessarily change shortly, you know, it might mm. be a very long-term climate change effect. So we need to become a bit more sensitive to how we use water in this country, to maybe have a bit more respect for the scarceness of the resource and not see the fact that it's being subsidized as reason to not protect it. Mm-hmm. And then coming to you, Dr. Ngambule, how scarce is water becoming? I know that we are living in a world that's changing, especially when you look at these weather patterns, especially here in Southern Africa. That's where we're seeing a lot of problems in Zambia, South Africa in itself, and other parts of Southern Africa. Where, how scarce is water? Because I don't think that's coming out in, in, in the public, and I don't think people understand how, where we are right now. Uh, water is very scarce and you know the funny thing is that most of the time uh, people seem to think that water scarcity is actually water shortage which is not the truth we may have as much water but because of how we use it uh, you find that we have a lot of rainfall water which we can't collect and use and therefore we're a water scarce country Uh, water scarcity is is, is defined as a a situation where um, the the supply um, is lower than the demand and for example, we we currently sitting here in Hauteng. We eighty percent of the water that we drink actually comes from Lesotho, and that's not because Lesotho has a lot of water. Wow. That is also because we don't have much water. It drains every day, but what do we do with the water? Our water harvesting uh, techniques are not up to scratch. We wash up our cars daily mm. with high quality water and uh, if you drive around Johannesburg sometimes you you feel pain in your heart looking at the leakages that are going through uh, mm. so we are a water scarce country mostly because of um, climatic conditions but also because of our water usage policies mm. and practices which are not up to scratch. Mm. Let me take that back to you Sputnik as you ha- hear from our both our experts Dr. Dipenar and Dr. Ngambule looking at those particular areas that as South Africa as a country, we're still struggling in terms of uh, water shortage. What is the government doing in order to deal with that particular element? Because we're hearing that here from uh, Dr. Ngambule saying, hey, we don't have policies and systems in place to ensure that we actually collect water effectively. I think um, <clears throat> the, the issue of, of, of water conservation and water demand management is, mm. is something that is very critical to our country. And, and the good doctor is correct. Um, even though we do have those, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, that kind of thinking around what we need to do with the water and, and how we need to save it and so on. But the amount of work that still needs to, to be done in, in, in order to raise awareness, in order to just for people to become more conscious of, of the need for us as a country 
to really look at how we, we, we consume our water and how we, we actually conserve that water, mm. how we, we need to be, uh, to be moving away from the issues of polluting the water that we have. Because it is true, we do not have as much water as we have, as we need. We are one of the 30 driest countries in the world. What is happening is that we've also become uh, highly dependent on the shared water courses um, that 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 uh, 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 the water courses that we share with our neighbours, where we are getting almost about 60%, 60 percent, 60 to 70 percent of our water from mm-hmm. such shared water courses, not just Lesotho, Limpopo as well, with Zimbabwe and Botswana and Namibia and so on, uh, Mozambique and whatever. So, um, as a as a country, we, we we I don't think that our our appreciation of of uh, what it implies for us to in the first place even to just get that water to be of potable standards it it, it is quite a mission mm-hmm. and we must remember that uh, um, that has got a cost effect uh, uh, to it where if we pollute uh, then it becomes more expensive to, to to clean the water and therefore it implies uh, you know the cost of living gets affected but we need to be all of us conscious and it is true that unless we are very, very conscientious of, of, of how we, we treat water where we are operating, be it in government, be it in business, be it in the, in, the, in, the, in the households, in the farming area, and so on, where it is not always necessary to actually irrigate our plants with potable water. It is not always necessary to flush our toilets with clean water that has been, uh, you know, uh, cleaned by the, the water treatment works. And we, we are not mm. uh, uh, harvesting rainwater half, even half as much as we need to. Mm. But, and if but all Spitnik, of us were I, to begin to do that, I, we I, could go a long way. I hear what you're saying. You're putting it in a, in, in a more like public domain and saying, hey, it's everyone's responsibility. But I, I heard Dr. Ngambule saying, hey, we need to actually create policies. We need to create systems in place where we can actually uh, harvest the water that we already get, this rainwater that we're getting, especially in, in the summer seasons there's a lot of rainwater that we receive in south africa so what is the government doing practically to ensure that we create those systems and we put them in place you know in practice we do have those those uh, uh, water conservation and water demand management programs that we take into the communities to actually uh, educate our communities about what we need to do with our, with our water and how we need to do all of these things. The fact of the matter is that even uh, the, 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 the partnership that we have with the Department of Basic Education, mm-hmm. where we realize that uh, in order for us to be able to take our education and our, and our awareness to all the communities in the quickest possible way, the, the best um, um, mode of, 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 of such uh, dissemination of information is through the, the, the school children and so on. Mm-hmm. Because once we, we, we educate and, may, and raise awareness with the school children, more of you know, the community, the grandparents, the uncles and so on, who look okay. after those children okay. can be able to be in. We do have what we call the polluter pays principle that talks to how we need to be dealing with the issues of uh, uh, pollution. Our enforcement units, both uh, from the water side and from the environmental uh, 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 affairs side, are looking at some of those conservation methods that would 
obviously uh, uh, bring more of your punitive uh, 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 measurements mm. to bear, but not always bringing the stick on top of uh, on, on, on top of the heads of people, but rather trying to also find the best means of using the carrot for mm. people to actually get more to comply, rather than for us to be looking at punitive measures that must then. You know, uh, uh, because you know, sometimes well, what well, I have to cut you off. They have those punitive measures yeah. in place. A lot of the big companies simply pay the fine; they don't mind paying a million rand mm. because they've been able to do that. Well, but le- the- let me cut you off there, Sputnik, mm. because I, w- I want to go back to to our doctors because I think you really relying on this aspect of conservation. But from where I'm sitting, I think there's a lot more that needs to be done. Uh, coming to you, Dr. Dipenar, in terms of creating systems themselves where you have practical conservation methods that are being implemented by government, are there any systems that can be adopted here to see that um, we as a country can actually harvest our own water? Well, I'm more in terms of the water resource and not as much the mm, reticulation, mm. operation and maintenance. Okay. But I think it's always good to have a secondary system in place where you might have the possibility of teaching the local community to harvest their own water for their sanitary purposes and for irrigation, for instance, mm. so that they don't have the need to use treated water that's being reticulated. So one of the systems I think that would be very beneficial is to have community involvement in acquiring water and not just using it efficiently. So to force them to appreciate the source of the water. And in the end, something like harvesting of rainwater or local groundwater supplies might be sensible or fog harvesting, but the community will have to buy in and they will have to run with the program so as not to require treated water. Mm. And that's what I think in terms of systems we can do is we can teach the communities themselves in cities, towns, rural areas, everywhere to acquire part of their own water the more actually. Dr. Gambula, your thoughts here? I agree with the good doctor because, you know, uh, one of the things that happens is that most of the time we assume that water is just sitting somewhere in the tap. When you turn your your, your tap on at home, you think that that's where the water comes from. Mm. You are not conscientized on what it takes to to get the water from the dam or the rivers or anywhere to that tap. That is why then you find that you you know people go into a a shower and become rock stars uh, (laughs) because (laughs) for two hours (laughs) they say for two hours because they have no appreciation of what it took to produce that water. I'm not saying that people should not stay in the shower for two hours, but you know sometimes you just need to get into the shower. Actually, they shouldn't. They should not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, but you're saying. Yes, yeah. So 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 the good doctor is right there. What what the government and 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 I'm sorry if I'm going to find even anybody. But what the government is not doing, the government is being reactionary. The government is looking at treating the symptoms. It is not going back to the basics to say what is causing this. Let's forget about climatic and weather conditions and all those we have no control of those. But we do have a control in terms of people wasting a resource mm. and uh, we can't say that people need to think on their own that they don't need to, to to waste water government needs to embark on these drives to educate everybody what it takes to to to, to give water to the people what it takes to have sustainable water resources and all those things so i agree with the doctor it the bugs it begins and ends with our government it needs to have more drives 
to reach out to the people and educate the people from the youngest to the eldest mm. people, even me and you, so mm. that we can stop singing in the shower. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a great conversation. I, I like having conversations like this because I don't think we're here to attack the government or it's just an open conversation on how we can actually find different forms of ways on how to deal with this particular situation. But we want to hear from you. You can send us your SMSs. Do you think that uh, we're doing enough to conserve water? Such a simple thing that we have in our lives. But every Every day, do we actually make sure that we save the water in our lives? Let us know your thoughts. Plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. That's our SMS number. Plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. I've got in studio Dr. Tabong Gambule, who's a senior lecturer in research at the Nanotechnology and Water Sustainability Research Unit. That's at the College of Science at the University of uh, South Africa. I also have on the line Sputnik Ratau, who is the director at the Media Liaison at South Africa's Department of Water and sanitation. Dr. Mateus Dipenar is also a lecturer at the engineering uh, at uh at the engineering rather geology and hydrogeology department at the University of Pretoria. Today's guests have long titles, so I have to catch up my breath now and then. But uh, we're going to take a quick break. Remember, we want to hear from you, so you can send us an SMS on plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. We're using South Africa as an example, but I'm sure these are challenges that other countries on the continent are facing. Hello and listen carefully to the good news I have. On Saturday the 29th of August, Channel Africa together with Drakensberg Promotions are bringing you the Muretele Park concert live from South Africa's capital city, Pretoria. Under the theme, We Are Africa. This year's concert celebrates South Africa's coming of age and includes the who's who in African music and spans the continent with young and old artists from local star Kaifa Semenya and Lesotho's Budaza to more modern acts like Oliver Mutukudzi and younger acts like award-winning a cappella sensation, The Soil. There you have it. Join Channel Africa and Drakensberg Promotions for the Sounds of Africa from 1800 to 2000 Central African time on Saturday, the 29th of August. Don't miss the musical event of the year. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. My name is Benjamin Mushatama. This is African Dialogue. Remember, we're asking you, are we doing enough in our communities to save water? Plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. An analogy was made just by uh, uh, Dr. Ngambule saying, hey, sometimes you just chill there in the shower in the morning because you're having such a good morning and you lack the warmth, especially in those winter days where you just like, I know I do this now and then, I'm guilty, that I'll just sit in the shower, like just chill there with that water warm water dripping down and I'm just enjoying the warmth of the water but hey are we doing enough to actually save water plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero Sputnik I, I thought I heard you before we went to a break I think you went you wanted to say something so I want to give you the opportunity now uh, gee, there's a lot that <laughs> the two doctors have said already but I, I, I do agree with Look, okay. um, uh, yes um, you know, uh, as, as a department, we, we are responsible, obviously, for, 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 you know, all issues related to water. 
demand and or rather the sub, to, or rather to secure the supply of water for the country, especially in in the bulk sense, and 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 uh, and which we are doing. And I think it's it's a whole lot of things that that that, that, that we do that that look at how we ensure that security of supply, because obviously part of what we need to do is to plan not just for not just for now but for the future. And part of what we look at is obviously those things that impact on 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 what can be uh what can lead to to mm-hmm. less and less water being available mm-hmm. you know not just climate change but even our own behavioral issues mm-hmm. that is why we actually do have a program you know that looks at how we 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 go out of our way to go and and educate people and educate our communities not just and by the way, when we talk about communities, we're not just talking about households or villages. We're also talking about our bulk users, you know, mm. the people that have got, uh, you know, that are using most of our water from our farmers to our industry and so on. Mm. And that is why we also have what we call the Strategic Water Partnership Net- Partners Network, which brings together a lot of the major uh, water users of the country that look at how we, we can be able to work together towards conserving this resource. Mm. And out of that, that as well, you know, when, when I was talking about this trip that, uh, that the minister has undertaken to Sweden, um, that is talking about uh, the, uh, the World Water Week, uh, part of what we do is, 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 is those, uh, 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 those competitions that look at the in-school uh, 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 pupils that are looking at ways of appreciating and conserving the, the resource where they are, but also those that are out of school and so on. So there's a lot that we may not be making enough noise about, and probably that is one thing that we need to do. Yeah, definitely. And we do, we do mm. take that advice that we, we need to start making more noise definitely. about, about, about uh, the things that we need to appreciate around this resource. Yeah, fantastic. Especially if you have all these programs, I think it's very important for us to in, inform the public. But another element I wanted to look at, and maybe Dr. Metanes Dipenar is an area that you can highlight is is um, looking at uh, the challenges that we have on the continent, especially when it comes to water infrastructure. Uh, what are the key areas of concern in this regard, Dr. Dipinar? In terms of infrastructure, it's mostly to keep them serviced and operational. So mm. water infrastructure is not just about tapping water from the resource, it's also from getting it elsewhere. And a lot of that uh, daily monitoring and servicing in terms of the water supply infrastructure, which once again is not always something that the department can be held accountable for to drive hundreds of kilometers every day to check that everything is working. Mm. So even operation and maintenance of water supply infrastructure can and should actually become the function of the community. I think all in all South Africans and maybe everyone in the world takes it too much for granted and does not want to contribute to the operation of the water infrastructure. Mm. Once again, that becomes a community's involvement, and I think we should incorporate them more. That will also teach them of the issues and the effort in water supply, so maybe even result in a better appreciation for water. Mm. 
your your views here, uh, Dr. Ngambul, on that infrastructure issue. I know that uh, s- some people also speak about the pipes themselves that lead to that particular tap. That hey, we've had this these infrastructure for years and years and years. And I always ask myself, what's actually going on down there? <laughs> <laughs> In fact, before I respond to that, I'll give you uh, a, a typical reality. I made an example earlier that uh, we 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 import about eighty percent of our water. Uh, from Lesotho to yeah. Houghton through Rendwater. Wow. Uh, that's a, that's a pipeline of over 300 kilometers. Wow. And you know, uh, one of the challenges that they have is that um, the water from the Lesotho Highland Water Project is relatively um, water of good quality standards, not dr- drinkable at that point. Mm. But uh, what is happening is uh, we take water of okay quality, pipe it through 300 kilometers. By the time it reaches the valve, it's actually messed up quali- mm. uh, water quality. Mm. And that uh, speaks to the issue of our aging infrastructure. And if you, like I, I said earlier, if you drive around, uh, you see we have pipe leakages yeah, and all yeah. those things. And uh, one of the disinfectants that we use, for example, to make sure that water is safe from bacteria before we drink it is, is chlorine. Mm. And what that chlorine does is that if we put it at the last stage of a water treatment plant and then transport the water through pipes which suffer from such things as corrosion and other things, the chlorine which was aimed to kill bacteria to protect us ends up reacting with other funny stuff on the mm. pipes and then we Yo, that get sounds up. scary man yeah. you're freaking me out doctor <laughs> 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 no, it's it's uh, like, like, like the good uh, uh, colleague from, from from government we we need to start making noise about this thing so that mm. we can we, we can speak uh, i mean you made a, com- a comment earlier when we were on break that you know governments they come in and they go and they don't look at the issue of the aging infrastructure mm. i know it's a it's a difficult one to deal with for example you know in in, in london they have pipes which are over 100 years old. Wow. And now to dig up all those pipes and change them w- was said to take them a minimum of 50 years from today. And then wow. you think of Jobek and all the pipelines that we have. Mm. But there are good technologies that can come up with that now. So uh, the issue of infrastructure is also definitely, it plays a key role mm. in in this conscientizing of the challenges that we face. Mm. Yeah. Spitnik, your views here. I know it's a big challenge for government. I know we've inherited as well this uh, technology from a, a, a very like uh, apartheid system. And now we have to deal with all these different areas. And I'm sure for uh, the new dis- Compensation. It's a it's a huge challenge. Sputnik, are you still there? Yes, I'm here. You were saying? I was just saying it must be a huge challenge. Some of these issues that are highlighted. I was just saying also some of these things have been inherited from a, di- a different dispensation. Now we live in a democracy. So many challenges that uh, the new government has to face. And now we're looking at this issue of water infrastructure. I'm sure it must be a very big task for uh, the department and government. Oh yes, it, it is a big challenge, and and, and 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 that is why I think I think um, uh, well, you know there are a couple of things that we're doing, um, and maybe just it's, it's an opportunity to highlight mm. this this launch on Friday of this pro- project to to uh, over the next three years recruit about fifteen thousand artisans, plumbers, and, okay. and, and and train them as well. Uh, to look after our infrastructure, especially in the local uh, municipalities, because that is where we have most of our challenges in terms of uh, um, um, available skills to be able to look after our infrastructure. 
So um, it, it is something that that we, we, we it, it, it is it is uh, uh, top of mind uh, in the department, but also through our learning academy, where we are we are in in, in uh, working together with some of our um, major universities to actually train a, a, a lot of people uh, and afford them bursaries to come into 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 mm, the mm. water and sanitation sector. Mm. But the idea is not just to train them, but to, to actually retain them in the in the in the in the in the in the sector because you know we actually need more of these people. You 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 can appreciate that um, you know over time. Um, most of the people that were actually running this infrastructure are either now retiring or, you know, all of those things. Others have gone off, uh, maybe like that good doctor there or the professor uh, running their own uh, uh, um, um, enterprises somewhere mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. So we need to, to keep on re, 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 uh, actually attracting more people towards, towards entering mm-hmm. the sector. Well, also, I want to look at another interesting issue for myself is the issue of uh, uh, privatization. I know that it was becoming a big phenomenon. I know since 1996, some municipalities decided to involve the private sector in water and sanitation service provision through short-term management contracts, sometimes long-term concessions. And uh, this was a move that uh, the government thought was uh, very effective. Coming back to you, uh, Dr. Dibinar, was this a, a good move to privatize? some of this water supply? I do understand why it was done mm. because there's a lot of skills in the private sector that chose not to go into government. But in the end, it is still of critical importance that government collects all of that data and collectively look at the resource management in this country so that the private industry does not simply have the free reign to go beyond scopes of projects. So I think that it's fine to have private industry involved in the monitoring and maintenance, but that everything should still be centralized with the department so mm. that everything is traceable. Mm. Mm. Your views there, Dr. Kambule? Yeah, that, that's another thing. Um, but we also need to, to reach a point where we actually stop competing with one another and we start complementing each other mm-hmm. um, I, I was fortunate to, to do part of my postgraduate studies in the Netherlands and you know what I like there is that um, you know we Netherlands and South Africa are two countries which share a lot of things but they also differ in many ways one the first challenge when it comes to, to water for example is that um, in South Africa we have a water scarcity issue we just don't have enough water. In Netherlands, they have the exact opposite. The country is <laughs> flooded. So They've got too much water. So they are, they, 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 is they, that a problem? It's, yeah. <laughs> it's a problem because the country lies below sea level, so ah. they have to continuously pump out water. Ah, okay. But, uh, you know, um, it was one of uh, the things where I saw um, industry, uh, government and academia working together. Mm. Uh, there is no such thing as uh, it's, it's more lucrative to work for the private sector, there are more skills in the private mm-hmm. sector. There, uh, it's 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 also attractive there to work for the government. And we need to ask ask ourselves here in Africa in general, because mm-hmm. you know, the general trend in Africa is that working for government sucks, mm-hmm. and working for private sector is the thing. Mm-hmm. And we have to ask ourselves why is that so? Mm-hmm. And as long as we continue on that trajectory, that um, we'll have privatized things and it's more lucrative working for them and then it's not lucrative working for government would always have the skills 
drain going towards yeah. the private sector, which actually ends up killing whatever is happening. Because at the end of it all, we all just want a good life. Mm. And um, it, so we should also, even though I know I'm now deviating from the discussion mm. at hand, but that's also part of the challenges that we need to address, that we, we, we need to be able to work proudly and confidently for government, as same as we can work proudly and confident for the private sector without much of a challenge. Well, I'm going to wrap it up, but let's go to one more break. And then when we come back, I really want to wrap up the issue of, uh, I don't know, I'm, a, I'm a, an African, so I believe in being a human being. It's called Ubuntu. And uh, hey, why is there a price tag to water? You know, just growing up, I always wondered, like, why is water tagged with money? Why must it's a human basic necessity? And why is it bought? So that's another thing that I want us just to wrap up the conversation with, because I've always thought it was an interesting element and very interesting when it comes to access to water. Plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. You might want to join in the conversation. Tell us your views. Hey, do you think that we're doing enough to save water? Let us know. Plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero is the SMS number. We'll be back after this. Dear listener, would you like to be featured on our website? Send us interesting pictures such as those of people, events, or anything you think is unique and interesting. Be part of our website and share those memorable moments with Channel Africa and the rest of the world. Don't miss this opportunity. Take a picture now, tomorrow, and every day. Pictures can be sent to info at channelafrica.org. That's info at channelafrica.org. You can view your pictures on www.channelafrica.co.za. That's www.channelafrica.co.za. And also on our Facebook page. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Hey, this week the world is heating World Water Week. It's taking place in Stockholm in Sweden. So today we're looking at that particular issue on the continent. Hey, we use South Africa as an example. But I'm sure all these issues that we're relating to are also relating to other African countries. So I was asking the question uh, really about why is the price tag to water? And hey, uh, my doctor in, in, in the building was just telling me a little facts and very interesting facts about uh, uh, the currencies of uh, some certain countries in southern africa dr Gambule, tell me a little bit about what you were saying during the break yeah i was actually saying that we actually every uh, in especially south, uh, south africa and uh, and botswana our currencies are actually water because pula that's water the rent comes from the Vidwat rent, which is a, a water basin. So we actually, uh, <laughs> we actually That's a very interesting in fact. <laughs> I yeah. never thought of that, that those are the origins yeah. of those particular names. Mm. But in terms of uh, putting a price tag to actually the excess of water, uh, Dr. Ngambule, isn't there another way that as the world can cope with this and deal with this? I'm sure in your intellectual, academic uh, rooms and conversations this conversation has had been had before yeah some some things really should be basic water is a basic human right for every human being and we we shouldn't be spending a lot of money on water you 
Uh, while trying to make me feel at home, you provided <laughs> me with a very expensive uh, bottle of water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, instead of uh, you, you should have just brought me a glass <laughs> of water from the tap because we spend a lot of money already purifying water. Yeah. But um, I, I, I think it also says uh, 21 years after democracy, uh, we we need to add on to making some of these things free. Uh, and I'll keep making an example of the Netherlands because I spent three years there. Mm, mm. Uh, in the Netherlands, okay, they have a lot of water to deal with, but um, the water is actually close to cheap there. And uh, we spend here in South Africa about eight runs per per, per, per cubic meter of water. And that's, mm. that's, that's, uh, that's a lot of money. money. It's a lot of money. But you can understand why it's a lot of money because we are dealing with uh, very very bad quality raw water and to take that bad quality raw water into clean drinking water it mm. costs it takes a lot of money mm. we, we will get there that uh, my, my my hopes and my thoughts eventually would be that water should be a free commodity mm. let me take that to you uh, dr tippen are your views on this price tag on water at the moment in south africa we have a very small volume of free basic water per capita and then the idea is that the more you use, the more expensive it becomes, so that your luxurious wastage of water costs more. I'm all for free basic water. I think it is the right, and I think it's the one thing you don't have the right to charge people for excessively. But on the other side of the same coin, with payment for anything comes appreciation and protection. So mm. if water is a free basic need, once again, it's about still not wasting it just because it's free. Mm. And that is a mind shift change that people in general will have to get used to. Sputnik, all in all, I believe in free water. Mm. Sputnik, I'm going to give you the last say in 30 seconds, your last uh, uh, sentiments, especially on this issue on water and it being priced, uh, very different views coming from our guests uh, today. What are your views? I think in, in, in the simplest of terms, you know, water is, is a basic service. And, and yes, in the real world, mm. um, I'm not sure if we are not in the real world, <laughs> <laughs> we, should, we should have been able to provide water free for everybody for, you know, whatever capacity. But that is why I think uh, the, as government, there was, there was the idea to look at the indigent and also to look at a basic amount of water that any one of us has got a right to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and uh, you know, it is embedded in the Constitution as well, that you, once you go beyond that, then obviously because of the, the input costs, if mm-hmm. I were to put it, uh, you know, crudely, towards ensuring that we have this good quality drinking water that we generally have in the country, we need to have some kind of uh, uh, input that we make towards maintaining that kind of level of, 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 of quality. Mm. Well, thank you so much to Sputnik Ratau, the director in the Media Lies in South Africa's Department of Water and Sanitation. Hey, sometimes people in the government don't even stay on the program because you guys have a lot to do. So thank you for staying with us, Sputnik. Uh, sometimes department spokespeople are just too hard to work with. So I appreciate you making time for us. Thank you to Dr. Tabon Kambulo, who came into studio to speak to us, a senior lecturer in research, nanotechnology and water sustainability research unit. College of Science at the University of South Africa I have to say that all and thank you to Dr. Mateus Dipinar, lecturer at the Engineering Geology and Hydrogeology Department at the University of Pretoria. What a great conversation we had today. Thank you all for coming through. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Fantastic. And let's move on now to get our economics update and we'll be back after that with our sports.
Good morning. Japanese industry leaders have raised concern over South Africa's energy challenges as well as long waiting periods and letters of authorization to operate in the country. South Africa's Deputy President Cyril Ramaphosa is in Japan with the high-level government and business delegation to convince captains of industry in the world's third largest economy. South Africa's Deputy Trade and Industry Minister Mzwandile Masina says the plans are in place to resolve delays in trade. We now have uh, established the investment clearing house, taking into account all the regulatory issues that have become a burden or a barrier of trade in South Africa. We are making it possible now to move things faster. I would suggest to the colleague, if that problem still persists, that through our officials here, we pick up that specific issue and don't make it a national problem at this point. The Dairy Association of Zambia says load shedding has led to huge revenue losses and increased production costs for farmers in the subsector. DAZ says two major dairy producers are so far contemplating quitting the industry because of continued losses and lack of profitability. They lost about 7,000 litres of milk in the past week alone due to load shedding. South Africa's central bank will consider intervening in foreign exchange markets to ensure orderly market conditions. This after the rand slumped over 3% to an all-time low on concerns over China's economy. The South African Reserve Bank says in the event of developments that threaten the orderly functioning of markets or that may have financial stability implications, it may consider becoming involved in foreign exchange markets to ensure orderly market conditions. Selling by foreign investors has driven Kenyan shares to two-week lows as global markets fell. The Kenyan shilling also weakened. Mobile operator Safaricom, often the most heavily traded stock and usually popular with foreigners, dropped 4.3% to close to 14.35 shillings. The Nairobi All Share Index closed 2.2% lower at 146.40 points and the benchmark NAC20 index slid 1.5% to 4.337.47 points. Finally, BHP Billiton has reported a 52% slump in annual profit to a decade low, gutted by plunging iron ore, copper, coal and oil prices. It says it will cut spending more deeply to show up dividends. The world's biggest miner says its underlying attributable profit fell to 6.42 billion US dollars for the year to June from $13.26 billion a year earlier. The result was below analysts' forecasts of around $7.73 billion. Net profit dropped uh, 86% as BHP took $2.9 billion in post-tax charges that it previously flagged, mainly on its U.S. shale and nickel west businesses. Taking a look at the financial indicators, the U.S. dollar is trading at 12.95 to the South African Rand, 10.01 to the Botswana Pula, and 8.17 to the Zambian Kwacha. It's at 0.63 to the British Pound, 0.86 to the Euro. Then the commodities, gold is at $1,154, while platinum is at $987 an ounce. And finally, the price of Brent crude oil is at $43.37 a barrel. For Channel Africa Economics, I'm Asanda Mazzaunyani.
Thank you to Asanda. Now let's move on to our sports. Figzozo is standing by this Fiyelilingwati with our sports. In our sports update this hour, starting off with uh, uh, cricket news, New Zealand's inform opening batsman Martin Gaptil says they will be playing for nothing but a win in Wednesday's ODI series decider against the Proteas. Gaptil steered the Black Caps to the eight-wicket win with an unbeaten 103 from 134 deliveries. Gaptil's century came on the back of a series leveling half-century, 60 from 35 balls and the second T20 international in Centurion. The 28-year-old senior statesman says he hopes his rich run of form continues in the decider. Yeah, it's been a bit of a funny year. Um, I, I didn't start it off too well. I think I had 150, 250s leading into the World Cup. I'm not sure really what happened, but it, it sort of turned around from there and I was able to find a bit of rhythm and a bit of form and, and sort of carry that on. So and, uh, I'm just pretty pleased and, and pretty proud of the year that I've had so far. The opener, who has also had the responsibility of guiding young stars into the decider on this tour as a senior believes that a number of those young stars have put their hands up for the future of New Zealand cricket. Yeah, I think so. You know, we've got five of our top-line players, um, you know, being rested or, or injured for this tour. And depth that we've got and the, the way that guys have actually stood up and, and played is, uh, you know, very pleasing for everyone involved in New Zealand cricket. And it's good for the future of our country. New Zealand are expected to hold their training session later today at 2 p.m., Central African time, where they will be hoping to get a feel of dorsal debit conditions ahead of the decider. And in rugby news, Springbok assistant coach Ricardo Lobsha says the focus of the Springboks training camp in Deben for this week will mainly be on conditioning and rugby-based training. The Springboks are currently in Deben ahead of the Springboks 31-man squad announcement for the upcoming Rugby World Cup that's starting on the 19th of September in England. Lobsha says they have had a great start to their preparations and there is a lot of excitement building up within the squad. Yeah, I think the focus is purely on, on, on coaching and uh, our conditioning. Uh, just want to make sure that we tick off the right boxes. So uh, a good start for us today. Um, there's a great vibe and great energy in the, in the camp. And uh, the guys are excited about the next two weeks. Yeah. So, as I said, it's a bit of both, uh, but the focus is purely on rugby. Uh, just to make sure that we tick off the right boxes. And uh, as I said, it was a great, great start for us today. And in athletics, Kenya's Vivian Cheriot has claimed her fourth world title and a second gold medal in the 10,000 meter with victory in Beijing. There was very little clues until the final 1,000 meter with most of the competitors staying close to each other for much of the race after a slow start. I feel that great because of uh, my comeback. Since 2012, I took part in Olympics and I, I took my break. And this is the champion. I was not in Moscow. And I want to say I'm really happy and I want to dedicate this gold medal to my son, Alan Kibrono, my husband and the family. And finally with basketball. Senegal closed their Afro basketball 2015 group phase undefeated, while Mozambique came back from behind to beat Morocco and set up a round of 16 meeting against Nigeria. In the highly anticipated game of the day, Antoine Mendy rescued Senegal from an imminent defeat as they defeated reigning champions Angola 74-73. And that's your sport news this hour.
Well, that's how we wrap it up. Thank you for joining us on our program today. Remember, we're asking you the question, can we actually do more? Are we doing more to actually conserve uh, our water in our different uh, communities? Are we saving water enough in our communities? Plus 2779-695-7930 is the SMS number. That's plus 2779-695-7930. And uh, remember that uh, African Dialogue comes to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central Africa. Time. Remember, we want you to also interact with us on social media. So go to our Channel Africa page. It's on Facebook. It's simply titled Channel Africa. And you can stay updated with the events that are taking place here on Channel Africa. Or you can go to our website, www.channelafrica.co.za. That's www.channelafrica.co.za. That's how we wrap up the conversation. Tomorrow we'll be back. And tomorrow we'll be looking at uh, constitutional democracy and looking at at constitutions and democracies on the continent, but also we'll look at the whole phenomenon of constitutions internationally. So it's going to be an interesting conversation. Join us at the same time, 1100 hours Central African time. For me, Benjamin Mushatama, until tomorrow, God bless.